Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Welcome to the show. So, what about Harry? What about our friend Harry? Yesterday, double above knee amputee Harry Buddha Magar left for Nepal. He was on the show to talk about this expedition and he's now doing it where he'll be for the next two months. Aiming to climb Mount Everest in early May. He'll be the first ever double above the knee amputee to even attempt to summit the world's highest peak, Mount Everest. At the height of 8,848.86 metres, 27,000 feet, he has set the goal to raise the height of Everest with two zeros on the end, 884,900 pounds. He's fundraising for five charities that have helped him on his journey since losing his legs. And those are Gurkha Welfare Trust, B-L-E-S-M-A, Blessema, Pilgrim Bandits, Encores Foundation and Team Forces. The fundraiser will go live today and can be found at crowdfunder.co.uk slash p slash Harry, H-A-R-I, that's Harry, H-A-R-I, Everest Appeal, all one word. But jump online, you'll find it no problem whatsoever. And he's left us a voice message. I just wanted to say thank you to all the um, Virgin Radio listeners for amazing support. And I would love to come back and tell all about my adventure. Uh, thank you so much uh, to you. Uh, Vasus uh, and Rachel uh, for having me in the show uh, and uh, I'm hoping to uh, get back my uh, al potato aludum pot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, his wife. <laughs> oh, thank you. His wife made us some potato aludum and he, oh, I've never, I love potatoes. They're my favourite food. I could, I mean, uh, literally, uh, why wouldn't you want to live on potatoes uh, for the rest of your life? I'm the opposite of you, Rachel. Um, <laughs> That's good. We balance each other out. Yeah. What could you live on for the rest of your life if you had to pick uh, one food? Uh, the sourdough bread. Sourdough bread. Yeah. Yeah, but you need butter with that. Yes. Mind you, I need stuff with my potatoes. Yes. That's fair enough, I suppose. Um, no, I love But those potatoes, his wife's um, uh, papalo dom potatoes were off the chain. They were cold. She made them the night before. What they're like, hot, I have no idea. Cold, they were amazing. Um, and I've got to tell you, Harry, as much as I love you, and we have donated um, news uh, broadcasting, the News Corporation has donated a substantial sum to his amazingly worthwhile appeal, but you're not getting your pot back. <laughs> <laughs> but I love the fact that he's there, and that's when he'd started. He'd started, he'd embarked upon his first steps up Mount Everest, and um, his wife had clearly said, if you are going to talk to Chris on a voice memo, from you, Mem just... you need to mention my pot. <laughs> Can you just... Because different people have different priorities. Yeah. Well, it's the worst thing when you take round, I don't know, a pudding to someone's yeah, house. So I'll do, I'll got, do the no, pudding. Listen, and you never see the plate you've again. Learn, you've got to learn. If it's a favourite pot or a plate, you do not make things for other people in it. You keep it in the house. Can I just say, OK, heads up on that one. I got, I got, I got something for you with that. OK. So... Um, most charity shops in Marlow have, in the window, to entice you in, they have, um, they'll have baking trays um, and they'll have the ceramic um, 
the posh pots sometimes. Nice. And they'll have, you know, the blue, the, the white with the blue on as well. Um, they'll have those in the window. They're not expensive. You know, you're giving money to charity. You buy a load of those. And when you take around a tray bake to somebody else's, you pretend it's your favourite d- dish, but it's not. It's not. That's, that is great. That's Very what you good. do. So you you have a section in your cupboard, which is the, oh, if I'm taking something around to somewhere, I'm taking it in one of these things is yeah. what I'm doing. But then what happens is they can accidentally become one yeah. of your favourites. Because <gasps> you'd use them because you're not Jeopardy? taking stuff. I know the world's falling apart. <laughs> I know. But, you know, this is a, a, a welcome distraction yeah. for you, this kind of conversation. Yeah. Um, Easter. It's it's Easter is around, um, but when? Well, it depends. It depends. You know what year you're talking about. Easter can be as early as March the twenty second or as late as April the twenty fifth. That's a that's quite a range. It's it over a month. You know, and everybody has to sort of jiggle around um, their calendars, and we're we're so reluctant as a civilization to jiggle around now, especially collectively. I mean, it took us ages to jiggle around for COVID, if you think about it. Yet Easter, we take it on the chin. Um, because it's funny, isn't it? If you give if you give human beings an objection or the chance to object, we will. But if you give us a condition, we're like, okay, fair enough. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> if you give, that's why guidelines. You know, the government talked about guidelines and the whole Partygate thing was guidelines, guidelines, guidelines. Yeah, well, now especially after Partygate, you know, you can forget your guidelines unless it's a rule. Mm. I'm I'm just not in. I'm yeah. doing what I want. Guidelines, schmidelines. You know, the BBC has guidelines. Um, and if you if you if you sort of stray out of those guidelines, you end up on the front page of the Daily Mail. It was a guideline. It wasn't a rule. You know, I'm I'm all I'm all for rules. You know, guidelines. You know, I don't want to be guided by a line. Do you? <laughs> no. Not interested. I'm not much for rules. I don't even like guided tours. No offense <laughs> to tour guides who are brilliant, by the way. You know, I pass loads of tour guides on the way home every morning because I commute across London at post 10 o'clock and there are loads of tour guides and they're really good. I suspect most of them are uh, actors in between jobs. They're giving it all the beans where they've got one tourist or 36 tourists. One, you know, is, is uh, problematic in its own way um, and 36 also because they've got to project. But they give it, they give it everything yeah. all the time. 100%. It's like every time you go to the theatre, you re- you're reminded how hard people in the theatre work. Because for many, it's two shows a day. In Panto, it's three shows a day, you know, and it's it's their third show of a 30-day or two-month run or a world tour or whatever. But it's the audience's first and maybe only ever. And so they've, they've it's got to be special. Mm-hmm. Hats off to everybody who does all that stuff. Oh, yes. Hats off to everybody who does something in public every day and gives it all the beans. Hats off to us. <laughs> <laughs> This year, Easter falls in the middle. It feels early, but it's not early. It feels it feels early because we break up today and it's not till next weekend, I suppose. Because it's as far away as it can be for a two-week break from school because it's in the middle, yeah. I suppose. So it does feel further away. Um, sorry, earlier rather than further away. But it's bang in the middle of when it can fall between March 22nd or April 25th. Easter is always on the first Sunday after the first ecclesiastical full moon that follows the spring equinox, which my right honourable friend Vasus Alexander enlightened me to this morning. It's just, it's funny, isn't it, that everything else is set in stone. Christmas is the 25th of December, and these are these are kind of human-made calendars that don't actually make much sense, but we're all happy with Christmas, 25th of December. You know, your birthday is the 1st of April, is and it? that's every year. I don't like to mention it. We've got you presents. Thank you. Um, 
And but but Easter, we we're happy with. Uh, we'll just do it with the moon. We'll just we're, when the moon tells us it's Easter time, it's Easter time, and we'll we'll rejig the rest of our lives. We'll rejig school terms, which you know the school year has to start in September or whatever. You know, early September. It has to end in kind of mid to late July. But the rest of the year, well, we'll just do it. We'll, we'll hang it around and Easter. it's so interesting because, you know, um, much of um, the world, not all of the world, and not the majority in certain countries, in the UK definitely, but, uh, most of the UK is secular. They don't believe in God. They don't believe in the Bible. This is all from the Bible, yeah. isn't it? Well, um, Easter is a obviously a Bible thing. <laughs> no way. <Yeah. laughs> no way. <laughs> yes, it is. Oh, do you know? And also, do you know that if you put celery in soup, it can salt it up a bit? <laughs> I've got a lot of grief for that over the past week. N- not as much as you're going to get from what you just said. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's, I mean, what I said is correct. And you, they're both correct, everyone, so lay off. <laughs> we can no longer be bothered to lay on, just so you know. Easter is always on the first uh, Sunday after the first ecclesiastical full moon. For the purpose of calculating Easter, the spring equinox is always on the 21st of March. Easter last occurred on the 22nd of March in 1818, the earliest. This this bit's really interesting, Okay, So the last time Easter occurred, the earliest it possibly could, was in 1818, which is a long time ago. It's over 200 years ago. Mm -hmm. It's 200 and, what is it, five years ago. That's the last time it happened. You think, well, we must be close to another one then. The next time it's going to happen is in 2285. <laughs> right? Yeah. So we're way off that as well. Yeah. Way off. Nearly I, the same. I don't think we'll be alive to see that one. But listen to this. This is where, because that's it. That's that's interesting. But this is where it gets um, sort of a little bit uh, confusing. Conversely, Easter occurs on the last possible date of April the 25th. 1.03% of the time meaning or evinced by it last fell on april the 25th in 1943 which is way more recent than 1818 mm-hmm. and it will fall on this date again in 2038 which we might well see which is only 15 yeah. years away but how come it doesn't fall early for a period of 400 years but it falls the latest it possibly can um, in less than a hundred years, how's that? Because you would think what happens at one end happens at the other end. I know that things are more sort of ovular than uh, circular, and maybe that's the answer. Somebody will know. Someone will know. Do you know who would know? Kirsty. Kirsty Gallagher would know. Um, anyway, forget all that because this is far more important. Have you heard about the boy in the tent? His name is Max. Max Woozy. He's thirteen. And recently, he was awarded a Guinness World Record for raising the most money by camping. He also received a British Empire Medal. He started camping out in his garden three years ago on a Wednesday. He set out to raise £100 for North Devon Hospice, but has now raised £760,000. Saturday night, this coming Saturday, will be his last night in the tent. And to celebrate, he's holding a big campout festival. With live music and over 600 people attending so far, there's going to be more than that. The event takes place at the Broomhill Estate in Devon and tickets are still available. I love it. I love it. This little kid who was camping out to raise 100 quid has now raised close to a million, is in the Guinness World Records and now have his own festival with his own URL for tickets. Broomhill-estate.com. Max appeared on Kids for a Fanfare on the show back in 2020. Um, we also met at Carfest in 2014. And he's on the show now! Welcome back, Max Woozy. Good morning, Max. Hello. Hello, Max. How are you doing? I'm good, thank you. How are you? <laughs> I'm 
great. I'm so thrilled and honoured to talk to you. I can't believe your voice is broken. <laughs> it's, it's like talking to a young bloke as opposed to a little kid. How are you, pal? I'm really good, thank you. Uh, how's the tent? How's it been? How are you looking forward to the next couple of nights? Um, I can't wait for the next few nights. It's been an incredible adventure. And it's just a bit sad to see it come to an end. But I imagine as soon as I hit the mattress, I won't regret it. Interesting. Interesting. Because, you know, you've spent 25% of your formative years in your tent. Um, if you were right... If you were to write the Boy in the Tent memoir, which I seriously think you should do, what might be some of the highlights? Um, I think some of the highlights definitely would have to be maybe camping out at Twickenham, um, pitching my tent at 10 Downing Street in London Zoo and meeting some incredible people. And is it, how many tents have you been through? I think we've gone through about 26 now. 26. And did you eventually get somebody giving you tents, you know, purely out of um, kindness did you guys... we have had quite a few people do that luckily okay um what have you learned about yourself um what thoughts have you had and reflected on as you go to sleep every night what kind of things um i think the things you think about most nights is probably trying not to get soaking wet Simple as that, back to basics. I suppose that is the thing, isn't it? You know, that's why we talk about going out running or doing things that are hard physically because it just refocuses um, yourself on that and that that quietens all the rest of the noise. It's a great lesson. It's a great lesson, Max. Mm. Um, You aim to raise 100 quid initially. You've now raised £760,000 and counting. Um, Do all the funds go to North Devon Hospice? Yeah, all the money goes to the hospice. Wow. Tell us about the hospice. Um, the hospice are incredible. They're called the North Devon Hospice. Um, they're helping people day by day. They're helping the families that need it and go through the support. Um, they are the true heroes. They don't get enough credit. They are absolutely amazing, and I can't thank them enough for all, all, they, all they do. And how come you, you got involved with those guys? How come they came on your radar? How come you wanted to raise £100 for them? So my neighbour Rick, unfortunately, died of cancer. Before he died, he gave me a tent and said, I want you to have an adventure, and that's kind of all why the camping started. And um, I thought in my head, it's like, you know what? Like, sleep in the tent and raise money for the hospice, because the hospice took such good care of him um, when he was sadly dying, and I just want to say thank you in the biggest way I could. Um, their fundraising had been cut due to COVID, so I thought I could try and help them by earning money well you've done you've done so well you've gone far and beyond anything you ever needed to or anything that anybody could reasonably be expected a sort of 10 11 12 13 year old to do um did you ever think about calling it a day earlier than this um i know the plan the plan was there wasn't a plan in the beginning and you just kept on going and how come you have finally decided to to call it a day um so i'm calling it a day now because I think, like I said, it's been an amazing three years. It's been probably the best three years of my life. And I think, actually, it's probably time to come in now. I think <laughs> it's, um, I think three years is probably long enough. And um, I'm just waiting for our next adventure. And is your bedroom like a time capsule, you know, since you left it? I'm standing in it right now, funny old thing. And I'm just looking at it. And it's just like a storage room right now. 
Right, okay, so things have piled up in there, have they, over the years? Well, yeah, I think it's full of all my mum's stuff, but... Yeah. <laughs> this is like you moved out, that's what happens! This is like, this is throwing forward to the future. Tears the day you leave for college and university, but the second the door's closed, like, right, okay, what can we put in this room? <laughs> that's um, exactly what my parents would do. Yeah, can you see your bed then? Yeah, I okay. can. Have, have you laid down on your bed yet? Are you... I'm trying not to because I don't. If I feel like if I go on the bed now, I won't survive the last few nights. All oh, right, okay. And when is officially the last night under canvas? The first of April. Tomorrow. Okay. All right, mate. Um, and you have this do. Uh, you have a little festival, the Big Campout Festival. People can come and buy tickets if you live anywhere near Max. Why wouldn't you do this? Broomhill-estate.com for tickets. What's going to happen there? What time's it going to start? What are you hoping for? Um, so we're just hoping for as many people to turn up and join. Um, there's going to be live entertainment, food, live music, and the basic goal is for loads of people to come and have fun with your friends and family. And the only expectations is that you have a great day. All right, Max. Uh, you are absolutely awesome. I know you're only 13. When's your birthday, pal? The 29th of October. All right, so you're you're 14 this year. Any ideas what you might end up doing? I mean, you don't. You've got loads of time to decide. People don't decide ever. Some you know, some people don't ever decide what they want to do. Do you do you have any direction you think your your life might be going towards? I would love to. Do, I, I, my dream job would be to be like a rugby player or something. But um, I've always. I know that's quite a hard profession to get into. But my dad's Royal Marine. I've kind of always lived around him um, and I grew up watching him and his friends um, do the jobs they love and I think that would also be a profession I'd love to grow up into. Yeah, I, we've been sent a picture of you back in, is it 2014 at Carfest? I didn't realise we'd met before. It's such a great photo. <laughs> it's one of my favourite photos. I'm going to put it on my wall. <laughs> it's the best. All right, it's great to hear you talking about your dad uh, and your family. It's great to talk to you again. You know, I'm so pleased for you. I would say I'm so proud of you, but that's so condescending. I'm not going to say that. I just think you're amazing. Thank you so much for being on the show. No, thank you. All right, pal. Well done. Congratulations. I mean, you know, there's a cinch of the weekend. There's a cinch of the last, well, you know, over a quarter of your life. Uh, Max wins that one. See, now, if I was Anton Deck, I would do a live link up to his festival tomorrow night on ITV. That's what I would do. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. A massive superstar in the shed today. No, he really is a massive superstar. Vassus, over to you. He's your favourite comic colossus who, fortunately, is very rarely not on your telly. Tonight, he's back doing karaoke with a severed human ear in Series 2 of The Cleaner on BBC One and iPlayer. So please welcome the comedy Mercedes, who is Greg, Greg Davies. Davies. Oh. Check out that mileage. 
It's just been barely run in. Good morning, Greg. Morning. You all right? <laughs> Very well. I feel like Vassos dissed me there, saying I'm, I'm on the telly too much. Uh, well, I, I think so. fortunately. No. On the telly. Yeah, 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 but, yeah, yeah. but hang on. It was implicit, wasn't it? Yeah, I, I heard it. I know you're just I heard hearing the that. Tone. Yeah. <laughs> on the Greg, telly great again. to have you here, man. Great okay. always to be here, so, Chris. So listen, um, uh, the clean episode two of series two tonight, 9.30 p.m. BBC One Inch. All right, that's what he's on for. But we're going to talk about loads of other stuff as well, because straight in with straight in. Um, the fact that we didn't inform you, you didn't get the email about Jumpsuit Friday, and you're gutted. Of course I am, because I, I, A, I wear a jumpsuit professionally in the cleaner, so I've got, <laughs> I've got loads of them. I've, but I've got three jumpsuits in my house, all of which I long to wear at all times. <laughs> In fact, that's where I'm aiming to get in life, that I only wear jumpsuits. So, uh, and I come to somewhere where yeah. I could have professionally, and everyone's wearing one. Uh-huh. You'll so have to have me back soon. It's our full, uh, first ever full house for jumpsuits. You know, we've been 80%, 90%, but everyone knows that the team know that I love the jumpsuit, so they made a special effort last show for a while, Mufti Day, birthday tomorrow. So everybody's gone there, but we didn't tell you, sorry, the jumpsuits you have at home, the three you have at home, are they from the show or are they no, independently? Only one of the three is from one the show. One of the three. Uh, uh, the other two are jumpsuits I've acquired in the hope that one day I'd be able, it would be, I find an acceptable forum where I would, could wear them. Interesting. So tell me about They're that thought process. They're an interesting item for a man they to are. wear. They are. They are. I do think if you raise your hands in a jumpsuit, yes. it gives you a little little lift. It does. Well, it's called... It puts the jump in jumpsuit. Because there's boiler suits. Not an unpleasant sensation. There's jumpsuits. There's joiler suits, yep. which is a combination of the two. There are play suits. Yep. There are... Uh, you've covered them. No, no, there's a couple a that I'm missing. Oh, a romper suit. There's a I've romper suit. a romper suit with a hood on it. That's nice. Full one piece. I love it. I, that, love it. I think I could have got away with wearing that today. Lovely. When did you buy them? Um, Ish. Just, it's private. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> it's private. Best answer that I've ever had in the whole time I've been doing this, which is don't 100 years. Don't have to share everything, do we? It's private. <laughs> wow. Well, as, as you know, that sort of shut me up when it comes to the jumpsuit conversation. I thought, you know... Greg was on the front foot with the jumpsuit conversation and I've asked the one question that's put him right on the back foot. <laughs> <laughs> Suddenly, he shut down the jumpsuit conversation. It's do unbelievable. Know, do you know what the awful truth is? Yes. The reason I said that is because I can't remember where I got them. <laughs> <laughs> I can't remember anything. Oh, wow. Wow, 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 wow. <laughs> also, today, we've been talking about um, uh, the cinch of uh, the first quarter of the year. So here's some inspiration from the listeners. Sarah in Hilton. Hello, Sarah. Morning, Chris, Vass, Rachel, Greg. Cinch of the quarters, you say so far. After 31 years with the police, I had my exit interview this week. And at the grand old age of 62, I'm off for a new job at Bath University, which is great, isn't it? That's cool. So they can be silly. They can be serious. They can be um, lifelonging. Christina Bates in Ealing. My cinch of the quarter was completing and copywriting the treatment for my debut feature film. Awesome. Uh, Jeanette in a drizzly Cardiff. Our cinch of the quarter was moving into our forever home after living in sunny Bournemouth for 40 years. The only issue now is we can't get our three-seater cities through the doors. Tell me about it. I can't get anything up the stairs in my Mannix. Been exiled to the Mannix above the... Can't get anything up the stairs. Just about get myself up there. Little else. What about you, Greg? My cinch of the year so far... I'm going to try and tell it quickly. I've just been to New Zealand on holiday. We're not in a rush. OK. I've um, <laughs> just been to New Zealand. You may be aware of it. 
on holiday. And, um, is it private? <laughs> this isn't private. I went on um, a road trip with a friend who's working out there, Ian Morris, actually. You might know Ian. He wrote The Inbetweeners. Yeah, old, old Morrissey. I met up with Ian yeah. and we did a road trip. And on that road trip, he had this obsession with going to see a big tree. And uh, and I went, I don't, I don't really want to go and see a big tree. Is it? Was it a particular big a tree? A specific big tree. Famous big tree. Yeah. Is it a redwood? Um, no, it's not a redwood. It's a local tree, and I can't remember the name of it. And even worse, I can't remember. It's got a Maori name that I can't, I, I won't attempt to say, but it's roughly translated as the Lord of the Forest. Fair enough. Ian wanted to go and see it. I ridiculed him for days going, I don't want to drive thousands of miles to see a big tree. To cut a long story short, we did go and see the big tree. And as soon as I got in front of it, I was rendered speechless. And I've rarely felt such calm. So that's your sense of the quarter. That's it. Being converted to the big I tree. I stood in front of the big tree, 2,000 years old. It was around when Christ was around. Oh, my goodness. And me. I stood in front of it and, and felt a rare bit of peace in my life. Are you aware, and you may not be, and um, I, I don't want to embarrass you at all uh, on the air, but are you aware that Easter is to do with Jesus? <laughs> God. This is something that Vassus revealed to us in the first hour of the no show. No way. Yeah, apparently. God. I'm learning stuff. <laughs> <laughs> Could have bought a jumpsuit. Did Every you day is a school day. <laughs> You're not allowed to hug it, though. You're not allowed to hug no, it. No, it's behind. It's too big. You can't hug it. <laughs> you could hug part well, of it. has got Mr. Tickle arms. If, I, if anyone had a chance of hugging it, it's me. You. Now, but they I... fence it off. Can I say, right, you know, and I'm not, I'm not psychologically analysing, I'm not I qualified. I'm not qualified. Well, okay, well, then I will. Okay. Um, when you were initially uh, made aware of the fact that your mate wanted to go, Ian wanted to go and see the tree, the, the big tree. tree, and you were sort of underwhelmed by it, yeah. is that because you're so big, the prospect of big things don't excite you as much as people who aren't as big as you? Yes. So that's it. Yeah. yeah oh, not another, yeah. Big, big to you, a- not to some of us. Anyone who advertises something as being good, by prefacing it with the word big, I think mm, it's not going to be that big. Now, I know you uh, do very well in Australia. Australia has a big thing going on. What is it, Aussie Jane? Oh, right. So basically, so, some places have their own big thing. And it started with the big banana. And where's the big banana? Coffs Harbour. And what's the next biggest thing? The big pineapple is where? North Queensland. Are you aware of the, the big What's things? This? Australia, certain places in Australia. It's an Australian thing. It's like pie and peas. Each place has their own big thing. Oh, so one place has a big banana. You know, like you have a patron saint or you have a twin town. What, they choose something they big. They choose. This is, so right. this is our this special is a thing, big isn't thing. it? This is a special big thing. Is it? Again, again, completely underwhelmed. The big guy is underwhelmed by big things because he is a big thing. What's Melbourne's big thing? What's Melbourne's big thing? Well, if you don't know Aussie Jane, we have three guest Aussies, well, actually four uh, guest Aussies today with DMAs. By the way, they're from Sydney. If you're from Sydney, what are you called? Sydneyan. A Sydney cider. Oh, not bad. It's cool, though. isn't it? Where are you from? Uh, from Wem in Shropshire. What are they called? Wemians. Are they? Yeah. Nice. I heard you on the radio actually say that um, Salopians are people from Shrewsbury. Yeah, and Sloughs are people from Slough. Salopians are people from Shropshire. All right. Don't shoot the messenger. Only reading out the copy that the team gave to me. Well, you're now dissing the team on the radio. Well, let's get some of these people sacked. <laughs> yeah, why not? Let's get some of these people shipped out. <laughs> He's been brought in surreptitiously to cut costs. That's right. How very dare he? Bad news, guys. I'm not here to promote the cleaner. Yeah. And that whole BBC thing, one. that jumpsuit ruse. Yes. He's never been near a jumpsuit. 
Um, what else should we talk about? Oh, let's talk about the cleaner, shall we? Yeah. Uh, so we have season two. We have episode two tonight. Uh, yeah. All episodes available on the iPlayer. Um, who is the cleaner? How did he come about? Why did he appear in your consciousness? He didn't. He, uh, he was pitched to me by the by the company because it's a German show originally. Right. It's an adaptation of a German show and the German wing of the production company went to the BBC and said, do you think Greg Davis wants to be the British cleaner? <laughs> and, I, and, and I'd said to the he then head of comedy that I, would, I didn't want to play any more fat middle-aged men. <laughs> I wanted to do something a bit more odd. You know, like I've done a fat dad and um, and I'm built for it. But um, yeah, so it's just a, an odd premise. And that's what I So he works it. at the council, but he's the ultimate cleaner because what's his job if people it's don't crime know? He's a crime scene cleaner. He just right. cleans up awful, gory aftermath of terrible murders or accidents. And, uh, you know... And therein lies the humour. Straight away it got me, yeah. But, you know, the, the blood and the gore, as anyone who's watched it will know, it soon gets sidelined for the story. Yeah, do you get anaesthetised to it? Because you've watched... I've watched a couple. You've watched a lot, Rachel. Do you, do you become used to the blood and the gore? Yeah, it's it's like a sort of a small character in it. I mean, it's there and it's relevant. And quite every now and again you go, oh, like when there's stuff splattered yeah. up the wall. And you're, you, I quite like your all your intricate cleaning items and, and your knowledge of which solutions will yeah. remove How each How much stain. do you really know now? Well, I know nothing. Um, but the fascinating thing is we spoke to a real crime scene cleaner oh my God. and the first thing that he said was, well, most of it's just throwing towels down. <laughs> like they just, they walk in and there's blood everywhere and they just get a load of towels and chuck them down. And then, and then they get out special chemicals and stuff. All right, what about your special effects department? How um, effective uh, are they? Uh, at what? Creating? At recreating the, like, oh, yeah. the or, year that you do karaoke They with. look sickening. The, and the body parts are absolutely revolting, what are, what are they, revoltingly they, realistic. What are they made from? Do you know? Do you have you asked these? They're actually real body parts. <laughs> <Shut up. laughs> we've so got. You, you've got to be careful because you don't know who's listening. We've got a contact at a hospital. <laughs> Stop it! Stop it, Greg! Stop it! <laughs> Easter's about Jesus, don't you know? It's in the Bible. Master told us earlier on. He said. He said the big know, tree you know made me Easter, say that. You know, Easter comes from the Bible. That was his exact phrase. Yeah. You know, Easter. Easter comes from news the to Bible. me. News to me. It does come from the Bible. Yeah. Um, so, but there is a no, there are so each, what's great about the cleaner is hey, it's, well, it's great anyway. But what's cool about it is that every episode is sort of ninety-five percent self-contained. There are overarching narratives there's one really there's yeah. one about whether my character's going to sort himself out in the love department in the love department so that's sort of loitering around you know that 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 thing but really you know the joy of him is he's a very simple he's a very simple man who just likes to go for a pint on a friday and thinks that all that's all he wants in life really and right. um, but then he gets dropped it he gets air dropped into these with these weird people that's what i like about it he, he has to he has to confront things in his own life because he has to spend time with these oddballs right and that's when it gets really sort of clever and intriguing but what i mean what could happen in a crime scene investigation mopping up procedure that would make him take a, a look at himself for example for example well i i guess each episode's got a th has got a bit of a theme, really. Like the last episode, we, we had we had Harriet Walter on last week, Dame Harriet Walter, and she, um, uh, her character is of the belief that all relationships are transactional, that we only enter into a friendship or, or particularly a, a love relationship because there's something in it for us, and um, and so my character 
is fo- is forced to react against that because his instinct is well that's not the case you know we don't we don't fall in love because we we stand to gain stuff mm. so there's always a thing that he has to get his head round and see if he agrees with and yeah. that, that's so that's so interesting isn't it that is because they may be beneficial but not transactional yeah. they may be mutually beneficial there's um a very similar episode in Ted Lasso because Rebecca's been dropped by her hubby, which is why she wants to ruin the club because that's the only thing that meant anything to him as far as they were concerned when they were married. But then she falls in love with a club and completely out of love with her husband, so the tables are turned. Um, but because she's single, she's on the market, she, she starts dating people. And um, and then Roy Kent, who is based on Roy Keane, who's the, I think he's the best character of all time because um, she's about to settle for some kind of guy who's just nice to her because her husband was so horrible to her. Yeah. But he says, no, you can't do nice. You can't do fine. He swears a lot. You can't do fine. Something precedes fine. Bit of alliteration going on. You can't do fine. You're too good for fine. You know, and it's just interesting because do you want to, you know, there are massive advantages to to, to not having children. Uh, huge <laughs> love to having children, to being single, to not being single. They do say that, you know, the one thing that, that on the happiness scale, which keeps coming back and back and back, is company, not being alone. You you are you have a happier life, and if your life is happy, it is naturally healthier. All that kind of stuff. Brilliant to stick in the middle of a it, sitcom. It, well, that's that's the joy of it, really, is that, is that each week he has to face a different aspect of his life that he's not bothered to think about properly like tonight's episode there's a there's a clown in tonight's episode who has just always wanted to be a clown but he's you know without ruining it he's no good at it and the debate is if if you've got a passion in life should you stick with it regardless of your chances for success so he identifies as a clown but he's just not very good at being a clown absolutely terrible at it but but to him it's everything (laughs) see i love that so is it so is it valid should should you carry on if you're not going to progress i love that so much because Good Simon Callow's in it tonight as well. Can you believe that? Because they, 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 they do say, don't they, that, you know, um, if if your dopamine is the hit at the end of a process or a procedure, then good luck with that. But if you can turn the joy into the process, which is ongoing and forever and isn't linked to any kind of expectation or outcome, then that's where true contentment lies. That's where joy is. Yeah. And, 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 you know, whether we reach that conclusion, you'd have to watch tonight. But that's the debate. See, that's fantastic. You know, and isn't it great that, you know, it's life and it's death because every show is deals with our mortality? Yeah. <gasps> man, ticking, man, 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 man. And that's another character in the background, really, yeah, I, I think, of the, the cleaner. Is the clock's ticking. Well, he's called Wiki. You, you better get on with it. Well, that's with Tiki Toki. Um, is, <laughs> is the German show, have you seen, have you watched the German show? I have show? watched the German show. Yeah, I, I mean, it's very, just organically become quite different from ours I think just because when I got the job I thought I'd just have to convert the German into English and then act it out but but it doesn't you know they're culturally different so we had to make so many changes I don't think a word remains of the German scripts but we do take a lot of one lady wrote all the German series we do take some of her stories because what they do in America isn't it with the office and the office in America which my Noah he of course he loved Ricky Gervais's office and this in a way is also Ricky Gervais's office but there are 10 series the American one and they had to write new ones because there's only 12 episodes and they had to go their own way and it became its own show. So is that know. what's happening here? That's what's happening You're here. You're writing but, uh, original I mean, episodes as well. We are now, yeah. There's a couple in this that bear very little relation to the German ones. And I think going forward, if they give us more, then we'll probably just write all of our own 
and thing. But the writer who I met who wrote the originals wanted that. She was like, go with it, do what you yeah, want. Yeah, of course, with it, why you know? not? That's yeah. I mean, that's what you want. You want fearlessness, not sort of um, uh, fearsome. Uh, not, it's not even protection, is it? It's it's it's, it's ownership. It's it's in a way, it's its own sort of paranoia. No, you give it free. They kill your babies when you're writing things. Yeah, yeah? edit the edit your own stuff too within an inch of its life. And if you haven't got the balls to do that, give it to somebody else to do, and never ask for the results. And also set set it all free. Off you go. Yeah. Down the road, that's you know, it. Fill your boots, my friend. Um, and it's so exciting. Every course it every is. week having a different adventure. I've never written like that. Well, I've never been in a show where where it starts again. It reminds me of old. Do you do you used to watch Tales of the Unexpected? I love Tales of the Unexpected. Right? And that's the, what what it feels like being in the clean. It's and, like new adventure, new people. And how are you in acting now? Are you loving the ongoing process of acting more and more and more? Because flying hours wise, you know, say to like a Mark Rylance, who's coming in later, or Kenneth Branagh, yeah. you know, you're still in kindergarten. How are you with that? <laughs> with acting? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well, I can't believe I get to do any of this, Chris, frankly. Yeah, you know, I'm, I just, I'm with you. I just love it. I can't believe that this is our, my job, you know. <laughs> and, uh, You're uh, bewildered, aren't it you? It sounds very na naive, but it, I do feel it. I do feel it every time, yeah. So I love acting. And, I, and I, in this show, I get to act with proper actors, Yeah. you know. What do you learn from them, if you don't mind me asking? Well, I learn that it's possible to become a different character rather than just talking louder which is what i do <laughs> it's so interesting isn't it how do they do it I mean, how 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 do you do what you do as a comedian that is always fascinating me well you just learn it no you learn it because you need it funny bones people have got funny bones i don't know whether i agree paul o'grady right sadly passed away this week I right know, so sad. one of the greatest so funny. one of my yeah. mum's favorite peter k was second to paul o'grady in my mum's eyes ears and smile you know, he could turn a situation on its head with six, seven words. Yeah. And they, they came out fully formed. You know, I don't, I believe that I've witnessed him say the funniest things in the world that he's ne not only never said before, never thought of before, yeah. and come up with it in an instant, like you do on panel shows and things like that. That's a different wiring. I don't, yeah, well, I agree, but I just think it's what you, um, it's it's what you learn. I knew from, for me personally, I knew from a very young age that all I wanted to do was to try and make people laugh. Yeah. From primary school. Yeah, yeah. So I think you just practice for longer personally. And the classroom either side of the teacher's desk is a, a brilliant sort of training ground for that. Yeah, yeah. Well, I... I <laughs> What's that about? I took what that was, too literally. What was that expression about? <laughs> well, I did 13 years of teaching after school. I know. I hated school and then thought, oh, I'll, I'll go there voluntarily for I another need, 13 years. I need to square this circle. <laughs> yeah? Yeah. Um, did you meet Paul? All training. Uh, do you know, I never met Paul. And I'm gutted I didn't, because you're in this business. You tend to, you tend to bump into most people at some point. You really do. I would have loved to have met him. But yeah. that speaks volumes because he wasn't so much a private person, although he was a private person. He, you know, he didn't go out much. Um, I, I used to see him because we, you know, I used to go out a lot. Obviously, uh, I don't go out that much now. But we tend to go to the same places when we do go out um, because we both work with who, the lady who's now the queen. You know, I did 500 words with her. He does Battersea Dogs Home or did Battersea Dogs Home with her. And so we tend to end up at the same drinks and things like that. Oh, right. And I work with Paul, you know, and I went on his show a few times as a guest and I took my mum and he always made a fuss of my mum. What do you think of him as, uh, as, a, as a fellow comedian? Well, I thought he was brilliant. Yeah, and he was doing something so radically different to what I do that you just sort of sit back and wonder at someone like that, don't you? Yeah. But also, 
clearly the warmth shone through him. And I, and I think you, there's, no, there's no hiding that stuff. You know, if there's warmth within a comedian, uh, if there's warmth within a persona, yeah. public persona, it sneaks through into what they're doing, right? Yeah, which... So even when he was being Lily Savage and being brutal, <laughs> the, his, the fundamental war, warmth uh, shone through, right? Yeah, I I thought Lily Savage was unbelievable. And then when when he when when Lily became Paul on telly, I was like, how's this going to work? But he absolutely smashed it. He did, didn't he? He yeah. really did. You know, uh, and quite and, brave killing off a character. Oh, especially Lily Savage. Who does not many people go this is really successful, I'm going to kill it. Forget it. Forget yeah. it. Yeah. Um Greg, great to see you, man. Uh, hey, Taskmaster nice goes to be here. from strength to strength. Taskmaster new series of Taskmaster started last night, yeah. I know, I know. And the yeah. the new commission, not another six episodes, another six series. Hello, Junior Taskmaster, Taskmaster the theme park. Um Alex Hall hasn't been home for weeks because he's he's scouting for theme park locations he's yeah. looking for any any sort of available valleys which is awesome isn't it yeah um what else you got going on oh um like you need anything else but you're I always think I've got, that, that's pretty much all i've got going on but i am planning well i'm writing another show but i, I won't talk about that now a tv show uh, or a i'm writing show? another telly show right but i really want to write a stand-up show because i haven't done stand-up since my last tour which was about five years ago interesting so as yeah. a stand-up you know um which is your stock in trade is that fair to say yes yeah, so okay. it's, it's the thing it's the biggest buzz so so five years away you know yeah. uh, you never lose it but you need to not rediscover it but you get you need to get back to match fitness again you need you to go to, back to the gym what you need to do is to live you can't you can't hope to write a stand-up show if you're just jumping from job to job. So me going to New Zealand for a month is part of that attempting to just exist yeah. rather than be constantly it's, working. How interesting is that? Because I know a lot of American comedians talk about this. Some people, some American comedians, comedians are addicted to being on the road. Their family is on the road. And then all they write about is being on the road. It's so true. It's still funny. I bet, but none of us really care. Yeah. You know, unless you're a comedian who goes on the road. Yeah. but. I got a sign <laughs> first week in New Zealand. I got a sign. I'd done the right thing to take some time off. I went into a petrol garage, and a woman who didn't recognise me from telly was just commenting on my height. She's quite an older lady working in this garage forecourt, and as she was quizzing me about my height, suddenly, in an instant, the room was full of smoke, like this, <laughs> to the extent I couldn't see one inch in front of my face. And it was, it turned out to be like a, a an anti-burglar device that had gone wrong and just went. <laughs> so I just stood there, not being able to see her. And from the smoke, I just heard, well, that works. <laughs> Did you set it off? Did your height set it off? I'm thinking your height set it off. But she was so it's calm. For, it's for tall burglars. It's a tall burglar alarm because the, the, on CCTV in the past they've caught the profile of somebody who's robbed their store and they just happen to be tall, so they've got Maybe. it the tall burglar thing. Maybe face recognition. Yeah. So you'll work that into a bit, will you? Well, I don't know whether I will, but it just made me laugh so pure. Oh. It was such a pure laugh. You're back in real that life. I hadn't felt back in real life for the first time. You know. Bravo. Okay, let's leave it It'll there. Be more real life. That's what um, we need. Yeah, we do. Uh, the Cleaner Series 2 continues with episode tonight, 9.30pm on BBC One, but all episodes are available now on the BBC iPlayer. That's all the new episodes and all the first series as well. Uh, it's awesome and it's profound and it's deep and all the best sitcoms have a heart and you just have to discover where that heart is or just feel the beat to that heart to enjoy it. Thank you so much, Greg. Thanks, Chris. You're awesome. 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 